News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Texas taxpayers and citizens would be better off if the word disaster was completely stricken from state law and our state constitution. Why, you might ask? What does that mean? Well, here's the reality, and and of this I am certain. You would be better off as a citizen, your rights would be more protected, and your pocketbook would be further protected from an increasing property tax if the word disaster was just removed from state law. It all starts with the Texas Disaster Act of 1975. And this was, packed, uh, this was passed into law in the wake of <clears throat> two hurricanes that happened in Texas. And the idea was that the legislature realized that the 1875 Constitution that was drafted um, gave the executive, the governor, the authority to call a special session whenever he needed to adjust any laws of any kind, but that they did not foresee, the founders of that initial Constitution, didn't foresee these things like a hurricane that would hit that would have a very clear end in sight and would need a very short-term fix. And that short-term fix might take a little less involvement than would justify the entire legislature coming back in to make a tweak or an order. Might even be done with not enough time where the executive would have to act immediately within a 24-hour period. And so they passed the Texas Disaster Act of 1975, giving the governor the authority to declare these times of disaster for 30 days. Well, our governor has decided that Texas is going to be in a perpetual state of disaster. He really flirted with the idea back when he tried to use a hurricane to extend the plumber's license for two years. And that was the first time that Texans got a peek into the window of the mind of our governor, who's willing to really stretch or bend whatever he needs to do to keep from having the legislature more involved and therefore putting the pressure on him to do one thing or the other, uh, to take a side based on the what the legislature says. Instead, he can just write exactly what he wants, do what he thinks keeps everybody happy, and none, no one's the wiser. So our governor has decided to take this little thing called the Texas Disaster Act of 1975 and use it to provide him unilateral power and say that Texas is in a perpetual state of disaster and he will unilaterally rule over all Texans with whatever he wants. It's why he said you will be mandated to wear a mask upon the fine and, and potential jailing if you refuse to pay that fine. And you will do that until there is a vaccine available is more or less what he has said. Or a complete cure, and I don't know how he's going to define that. So that takes us now to Senate Bill 2, which was the property tax reform that was passed into law by uh, the Republican legislature. In fact, it's the thing that Republicans are most proud of this session, having finally passed property tax reform, which gives you a couple things. It gives you uh, more transparency in not only your property tax bill, but also on the dates that each of your local governments will set your tax rate. And then it gives you a say if your taxes are going to go over 4%. 
So if your property tax bill goes over 4%, this triggers an election and now you have to vote on it, which of course is essentially a cap because the reality is most city councilmen and, and local government officials don't want you to have to go to the ballot box and they also don't want you to vote down their property tax increase that they voted for you. So they will at that point just back off and use that as an arbitrary cap and keep government spending below that. That is the reform that we passed, which again is not going to lower any of your property taxes, but it is going to ensure that they don't go up as fast as they have been going. But here's the problem. The Republican legislature put into this bill a couple sections regarding a disaster. One of them in particular is an exception that says when this reform does not apply. So this cap that applies to all of the larger cities, if you're in rural cities, they do, they're not included. In fact, uh, many of the rural state representatives voted to have their own cities excluded from this process. But what it says here is, and I will pull up the specific section of the bill so that we understand, but it talks about any of these governing bodies that an election is to be held, meaning there's a triggered election. If you pass property taxes over 4%, the voters have to vote. You have a right to hear, uh, you have a right to speak on whether or not you want your property taxes going up, except if there is a disaster. And here's how it defines disaster. When increased expenditure of money by a taxing unit is necessary to respond to a disaster, including a tornado, a hurricane, a flood, wildfire, or other calamity, but not including a drought that has impacted the taxing unit and the governor has declared any part of that area in which the taxing unit is located as a disaster area. An election is not required under this section to approve the tax rate adopted by the governing body for the year following the year in which the disaster occurs. There's other sections of the bill that talk about uh, disaster. One, Notwithstanding any provision of this section, the governing body of a taxing unit other than a special taxing unit may direct the designed officer or employee to calculate the voter-approved tax rate of the taxing unit in the manner provided for a special taxing unit if any part of the taxing unit is located in an area declared a disaster area during the current tax year by the governor or by the president of the United States. The designed officer or employee shall continue calculating the voter-approved rate in the manner provided by this subsection until the earlier of and then it starts talking about these areas. I'm reading a bunch of legalese, so apologize for that one minute of just rambling that you had to endure. But here's what this bill does, essentially. It says that any of these areas that are deemed disaster areas do not have to apply by the property tax reform. So many Republican lawmakers have complained that cities are saying that the COVID disaster we're in also applies. Now, this doesn't say notwithstanding. In fact, the only thing that specifically said that it doesn't apply to, I guess, is a drought. So if, if there's a drought, you're still protected. But anything other than a drought that is a disaster that is called by the governor seems to apply in this section. And Governor Abbott knows this. He can read this bill. It's probably why he's been very quiet on property taxes, to be honest. He has not chided any of these cities, probably because he knows that he's the one handing them the gun that they're using to shoot their taxpayers with. But this word disaster was perverted by our governor early on within this process. And he has become accustomed to this unilateral power that he thinks he has. And 
he's also now therefore empowering all of these local officials to be further tyrants and to increase their local taxpayers' property taxes well beyond the final cap that we worked so hard to pass. By the way, two years ago and four years ago and six years ago, you didn't even have this cap. You have it now. For the first time, you have it. A cap that's going to protect your property taxes from skyrocketing locally. And the governor of Texas has empowered every single local official to ignore the law. He is saying the word disaster gives him unilateral authority. And then Democrats have subsequently decided that that same word disaster gives them the ability to raise your taxes. It's incredibly unfortunate. Words matter. This is a battle of definitions, but it's also important that Republicans, I hope we learn from these mistakes where we, in future legislatures, when we are crafting legislation, they will actually recognize that even Republicans will bend the rules to hurt the taxpayer. So when you craft your legislation, do not give them any room. Here's the truth. I'm going to tell you, we should completely eliminate this entire disaster section. It's kind of dumb. And here's why I think so. Because in the event that you live in a locality that has a massive wildfire, a hurricane, a tornado, something that comes through and tears up your community, and your city council or your county commissioners decide, you know what, we need to raise people's property taxes 10% in order to collect more of their money to provide for all of this infrastructure we need. Okay? Voters should get to decide. Is that such a crazy idea? The voters should get to decide even after a calamity or a catastrophe? Here's the reality. If, If the voters that are you're trying to tax, if the constituents that you are trying to tax and increase their property tax bill, not take the property taxes you already can take from them, but take even more. If they have just had their homes destroyed, uh, they might not have money for you to take. And secondarily, if they have the ability to do so, don't you think that individual citizens, when given the opportunity to say, hey, we've lost entire buildings, Massive infrastructure problems that the city and the county has to repair. And this is, of course, not expected as part of our budget. So we need to increase your taxes so that we can provide all of these general utilities that are going to get used by our city or our county. Don't you think the taxpayer at that point would say, that makes sense? As opposed to just every single year increasing my property taxes. By the way, if you are a city or a county... If you raise people's property taxes less, they'd have more trust in you when you do tell them you need to raise their property taxes. They might even vote in favor of raising property taxes on themselves to help their fellow men. This section is a problem. Now, I will say, as somebody who was working closely with a handful of legislators who tried to tweak this bill, when Senate Bill 2 reached the House floor, you should have seen the fear in the faces of Republican lawmakers when a couple conservative lawmakers, conservative state representatives, said they wanted to have a policy discussion about this bill. Literally saying, hey, we're reading this bill and there are some things we can tweak within this bill. You would have thought that they were the craziest people in the world, okay? Even other conservative Republican lawmakers were literally telling clients of mine, begging them to not push 
a debate or any amendments on this bill. And that is another lesson that Republicans should, probably won't, but should. And at a minimum, maybe just like the 20 most conservative lawmakers can learn this lesson. You should probably let debate happen because things get better in the process. And don't be scared of discussing these issues because bills show up to the floor and they have loopholes. And those loopholes, if you was, if you understand the desire for power of the people above you, you should more soberly consider the legislation in front of you and whether those loopholes give them the ability to forever raise the property taxes on Texans. Local officials who are not listening to this law are simply doing what their governor is is showing them. They're living by example. Okay, they're walking in the path that's already been set for them by the governor of Texas. Use the word disaster to take all the power for yourself. That's absolutely what's happening at a statewide level, and we shouldn't be surprised it's happening at a local level. There's the scene in, remember the Titans that I talk about on this podcast a decent amount, but it's the scene where um, you have the black player, and he's not taking this stuff very seriously. He's a linebacker, and the captain of the team is telling him, hey, you need to shape up. You need to have a better attitude. And he says, nah, nobody cares. I'm just going to look out for me and my own. And the captain says, well, that's the worst attitude I've ever heard. And he said, attitude is reflective of leadership, captain. And so the captain kind of reflects on his own actions and says, you know what? Maybe I should work to bridge the racial divide on this football team. And so he does. The next day, he begins to act differently. And because he acts differently and starts holding white players accountable for the way they're not taking the game seriously and not respecting their black counterparts, all of a sudden, it gives these black leaders the ability to go to their counterparts and encourage them to shape up and become more serious. And the team actually starts coming together for the first time, all happening by a simple declarative statement that says attitude reflects leadership. And it does. But I will tell you this. It is so much easier for us to complain about the bureaucrats at the state agencies and the mayors and the county judges when it all is stemming down from leadership from on high. And Governor Abbott has decided that he has unilateral dictatorial authority over Texans. It's not true. It's incredibly dangerous. And that's why Texans have to continue to speak out. That is this week's podcast episode. I hope y'all have a fantastic week. I will come to you soon with more information. I might even cut something in the middle of the week because there's so much going on. I might not come back to you until next Monday, but if so, have a blessed week. God bless you. God bless Texas.